come on and sit down and watch this with me. You know you want to watch it. And I want you to watch it too. Come on. I am back, and guys, I, I've said some things on this podcast and in general that I now deeply regret and I take back with, with all of me. I, I think that Finland is possibly the greatest country on earth, and the people of Finland are amazing. I love Finland, you guys. I mean, it's about time. Like, I knew yeah. you would come around. Yeah. I just It's one of those things where it's just like... Sometimes it's just like you get these like notions in your head and you just have these ideas that I don't even know where you got them from, but I just knew once you actually sat down and like met with some people that you would see the light. Because, that I would see how great the fins are. Yeah. Man. Right. He's not saying this under duress, listeners. No, I am I'm absolutely not. Like I fully love Finland. And guys, I found Sam. Oh, and how is he's, he? He's great. You know, Sam is fantastic. He's got like a little uh, farm there that he's tending to. And like he's as happy as I've ever seen him. So, you know, I just couldn't tear him away from this new life that he's made for himself. So, you, wait, farm. Wait, so you, you didn't bring back Sam? I didn't. But my new best friend, my, my main man, is also... In uh, audio engineer, guys, um, we're going to now be working with engineer Sven. And um, he's also not really going to be talking on mic, not because, you know, he's a mute like Sam, but just because he's very shy. And like, while he understands English perfectly, he's not very comfortable with his speaking of English. So, so it's like a Chewbacca kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so engineer Sven is going to be on the ones and twos taking care of us from now on. But, uh, but just guys, you got to know that Sven is like the best guy. I mean, anytime that I've tried to talk to him, he just kind of like tucks his like thumb into his palm and kind of like, you know, twists his like knee and is like, you know, his toe on the ground and kind of just looks down and askance. So I, I mean, yeah. I, I guess he, he's, he's kind of shy, but you know, I, you know. But he knows his stuff too well, yeah, and, he, and he's awesome. So. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, like he lights up when he gets behind that board. He like, really does. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen anyone look quite so happy as Sven when he's, he's at the Could board. Could you describe what he looks like? <laughs> like well, like the color of his hair. Oh, well, it's 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 like so blonde that like it's almost translucent. Yeah. Like and he's he's six and a half feet tall. Wow. Yeah, he, he's a very Just tall, a tall guy. Scandinavian boy. Yeah, he's super, super Scandinavian and he has the whitest teeth I've ever seen on any human being. P.S. I probably will try and get with Sam, but or Sven, excuse me. <laughs> I already got with Sam. We, we all know that. We know. <laughs> but I will probably try and get with Sven. I, I, I see you over there blushing, Sven. It's all right. It's going to be okay. All right. Are we ready? Guys? <laughs> yeah, we're ready. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Want You to Watch This. I am your host, Dennis. I am joined by my two yelling just screaming Shakespeare lines at me all weekend long. <laughs> Colin and Craig, how are you both? I doth be of the brightest spirit. I am radiance reborn. Birth into this world on the wings of the rays of sun am I. I'm good and ready to do the podcast, Dennis. <laughs> All right. Got some iambic pentameter love in there. Um, we did Looking for Richard, thanks to Colin. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm going to pass this off to Colin to describe what the fuck I watched because <laughs> I was a little confused. I mean, I got what it was going on, but I could almost taste the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one who's confused, and I'll get to that later. Um, but <laughs> this is a documentary made in 1996 by Al Pacino. And it's basically about him trying to ask, like, why Americans, or specifically why American actors, like, shy away from Shakespeare more than their English counterparts do. And as a part of doing this, he takes one play to look at, and that play is Richard III. And so they mount, like, scenes from it, and they don't, like, do a full-on production, but they'll there will be scenes of that play, like, done throughout the movie, and then they'll go and they'll talk to scholars about all this different stuff surrounding it and like the history of the actual Richard the third and um, the contempt, like the time period in which this play was written and all that stuff. And it's kind of pieced together to make this one really odd, but really kind of fun for me documentary. Like I really love this movie despite the fact that it is, it is weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, it's like, like a Al Pacino string of consciousness dipped in sh- uh, like a like a Shakespeare festival. Yeah, I, I think what I wrote down was like Al Pacino was a hipster before it was obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because this is 1996. He looked like a 90s hipster with yeah. his yeah. backwards hat. Yeah, and his that... like long greasy hair. Yeah. <laughs> like and just wow. <laughs> Bow, you know, and the Richard is—he's really angry. And yeah, but he's got—he does—he can't hold a candle to Frederick, who is just so manic about everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frederick is the other like filmmaker who's working with Al Pacino. And my favorite who's scene... doing his like lion's share of the cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my my favorite scene is the one where they get in this argument because. It's about how um, Richard is going to marry Anne, who was one of the Lancasters in the losing side of the War of the Roses. And it's like, all right, well, let's find a scholar to explain. And then Richard just loses his shit. Be like, it's ridiculous. You know more about Richard III. And now you're saying you're going to go and get some scholar to tell you. <laughs> like, he just has this massive meltdown. Well, and then, like, the scholar is like, well, actually, I don't really know And either. that's my favorite. Like- <laughs> they go and they see a scholar and he's like, Actually, I don't know why he had to marry her historically. And then the smug look on his face, on Frederick's, on Frederick's uh, yeah. face when this happens. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, uh, he's uh. like oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. God, uh, there, there were. I, I enjoyed the premise of this movie. I enjoyed um, the context that they put. A lot of it into. Did you enjoy the imperial culturalism? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, wow, like that, yeah, exactly. Because there's like, so there's this like British gatekeeping of like Shakespeare for like Americans, but then within this whole thing too, like, back to and there's a lot of uh, I guess tracking, cultural imperialism. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of tracking in uh, of like death of Stalin for this for me too, which I feel like is um, just the influence of Richard III throughout um, you know history. Um, but again, there's this gatekeeping that is like the British like are making like the Americans feel intimidated and like they don't have access to this thing. But then at the same time, there's also this like gatekeeping of like every single person that is like asked to do this like and read for roles is also white. Right. And so it's like, again, just like this type of thing where it's like, if we're going to be like, 
casting Americans in these like traditionally British roles, like this would have been a cool opportunity. And again, it was like 96 and you know, we know there were no black people in, you know, entertainment <laughs> at the time. So it's understandable why they wouldn't ask any black people to do any of this. You know, they even spoke with like um, James Earl Jones within this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how do you not like ask James Earl Jones to read any parts for this like play oh, that you're doing? No. And, and <laughs> he doesn't look the part. I know. Uh, like that, that, that was that was one thing that like kind of struck me was like because it's like the core principle of this is like why doesn't America get it? And it's like well then cast Americans in this. And, and I don't know if that's necess- if like the central premise of this film is actually that true or maybe it was more true in '96 than it is now because there's like. Shakespeare festivals in most major U.S. cities. Right. Like any like U.S. city that has like a decent regional theater company probably also has a Shakespeare festival. Yeah, I agree. And, I, and, and like, but like there's like a few instances where like there's a British guy who's flat straight up says Americans don't get it because their culture's not entrenched in it like ours is. So that's like if that's not gatekeeping, I don't know what the hell is. Yeah. And then and then there's also just the whole fact that like. Uh, um, in order to like appreciate Shakespeare, you have to be able to appreciate the dialect that he's using, and in order to do that, you have to be of a certain status, uh, socially and economically, and that's also just like very. I'm, uh, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm true in Elizabethan of, times, right? But I'm 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 railroading a bit here, but like like it's it's that's all from like a a western cultural standpoint like where's the shakespeare of you know of chinese culture for instance you know like like where's the comparison there like why is shakespeare better than that well and i feel like the the thing too is when we, when he's talking about this as far as you know americans not getting it like at this point the lion king had already come out which was like an adaptation of Hamlet, like it was, like it, that's what the Lion King is, yeah. and it's like it, it's like there's this like purist mentality of like that, like Shakespeare is like this like height of genius who can never be, you know, um, you know, diluted by you know all of these different things, and I don't know when, um, like what was it like Baz Luhrmann's uh, like Romeo and Juliet came out oh, or uh, around the same time yeah. ninety we want to say ninety eight I'd have to look it up and I think that that's kind of like one of those things where we get a lot of that now you know uh, I was just talking with Dennis a little earlier about like you know comic skate about how it's like this weird thing of like this like purist mentality of like what this media and what this art form should look like and when you don't open up to res- like re- like um, sorry uh, interpretation then it just dies. Like there's no point in like rehashing the exact same story time and time again. And that was one of the things I did appreciate about this is like the way that they uh, contextualize, uh, you know, Shakespeare within this movie is, uh, I feel like really accessible and really interesting uh, despite me, you know, not really liking everyone in this movie. Well, there are troublesome people in it, <laughs> but it, it was like long before we knew how troublesome some of these people were. But also to get back to what you guys were talking about, like at the same time, Kenneth Branagh was making like feature films of Shakespeare plays. Right. Like now, Kenneth Branagh is an English person, but he was casting Americans. He, did, to get much, back he to, did much ado about nothing, right? Yeah, and to get back, that was about to be my exact point. Mm. Um, to get back to what you guys were talking about, in Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing, he cast Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves as brothers, and it's just a thing you just take it as like, yeah, that's that's how it is. Yeah, and right. like nobody has a problem with that. Nobody's like, well, uh, there wouldn't have been like the king of like this prince who was 
played by a black guy. Like, no, and everybody just accepts because Denzel Washington's a great actor and he's amazing in this role. And Keanu Reeves is obsessed with Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when I get to my recommendation, I will have something to talk about with that. I And I also feel like the the thing about, I think, specifically Richard III, um, that it is a little bit... Um, it is a it's a it's a big beast to try and tame, and it is something yeah, that it's I feel a like complicated play. Yeah, and I feel like it is something that definitely needs to have like again. Uh, I feel like uh, Death of Stalin in a way was a, a an adaptation of Richard the Third. Like there was a lot of that going on in terms of um, what's the main like uh, is it Vishliak or. He's like the main sneaky guy who's like the Richard the Third of this. Oh, he doesn't yeah. actually get what yeah. He wants there's like a lot of like machinations. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Beria. Beria. There's like a lot of machinations. Like the the main difference would be like if Beria, like between each thing, would like do a like turn to camera and say, "Now here's what I'm gonna do next," and then like go through this. So that way, it really echoes to me House of Cards because like at least the first few seasons of House of Cards are just like. A modernized thing of Richard III, where Kevin Spacey is this like conniving politician who is constantly like monologuing to the camera about his plans, and then after they either like or succeed or fail, he monologues to the camera about like why it succeeded or why it failed, and like it's just like Richard III basically. Which he also is in yeah, this and movie. Kevin, that piece of shit. Yeah, he is he's also in this so movie. creepy in retrospect. Oh, I mean, you know, 100%. I mean, he's. He's always played creepy roles, yeah. which I feel like... But, like, what? now that you know how creepy yeah. he is, like, he's so creepy. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially when he starts just, like, copying Pacino. Yeah. And he starts, like, wearing the same yeah. hat, like, backwards. And, like, he's just being, like, Pacino's, like, lapdog kind of just following him around. Like, what do you want, boss? Yeah. Like, so I bet he was like, haha, I bet you wouldn't let me take you out to dinner, you old bag. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, again uh, and again and again. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Okay, so the things I do like about this movie, and I do like this movie, um, it, it, in spite of like the really gross kiss with Renata Ryder, it's just like, yeah, why? <laughs> I, I, I do love that line. Well, because too. <laughs> because like that kind of makes sense because like the relationship of Richard and Anne is really gross, right? Yeah. Like it's and so that kiss is like a, appropriately gross for how it's supposed to be in the play. I don't think Al Pacino is that self-aware. Well, no, because he honestly was like outside of the context of the actual play like when he was casting he was like let's try and find the youngest girl that we can like we need to find somebody who's like really young and who's like a film actress yeah and and it was that was uh, (laughs) yeah i mean it it was one of those things where uh i mean i I love winona Ryder, but it's not it's not like they 100 percent had to do that like they 100 percent like they could have cast someone who like was older well that's what that's what what's his face was saying is that like that's why we we normally get an older actress for these types of roles because they know the material yeah Um, or because they've got like if you're doing it in the theater like they've got the skills to like deliver this you mispronounced theater the theater theater. you can you can hear the interposition of the r and the e when Mm, you you pronounce it that way um i have a few questions about the play um is queen margaret a ghost or a shared hallucination She's a ghost. Okay. And they're all just cool with it? I, like, it's been so long since I've seen this particular play that I don't remember. But it, but Because they what interact I, with her. They talk yeah. back with her. Yeah, but from what I remember, it's supposed to be that she's a ghost. Okay. But I could entirely be wrong about that. <laughs> um, 
I also uh, another question. Uh, I'm curious if you know if uh, do you know if um, Shakespeare's play is used as, as a historical source for what happened for Richard the Third, or is it taken as more of a fiction? I think it's a little of both. I think there's a lot of like fiction in it, but it is based on all of his histories are based on like more or less the lives of the characters that are in them. Mm. Like most of them are about, you know, the, all these different Kings, Richard the third, Henry the fifth, Henry the fourth. And all of those are based on like the actual history, but there's definitely some stuff in there that is questionable in terms of the actual history of those monarchs. Cause, cause Richard the third, I mean, we've talked about it is a complicated story. Oh my gosh. Like, like just historically speaking, like, like as far as I'm concerned, everything in the play happened. Um, from what I've read and everything, yeah, like everything there was like the Wars of the Roses and, and the this, of this that, younger and they're brother up the pieces did of like it. Yeah. usurp his like right. um, his brother's children mm-hmm. and all this, stuff. and then even murdered the children in the tower yeah. and and all that. Jimmer Jammer went down, and then how he died by the Lancasters riding. Yeah, into because town. like the Wars of the Roses more or less started up again because the Lancasters right. revolted and it was right. this whole thing. So yeah, and then out of that came the Tullys who. Came to power, and then we have Henry the, the Lannisters in the, the Tullys. No, there was a the the family. The, there were the Tullys. Yes. <laughs> That's where um, Henry the Eighth was a Tully. So his father Henry the Seventh came after Richard the Third. After Richard the Third got killed, and then Henry the Seventh reigned forever, and then his son was Henry the Eighth, who rewrote all of history by giving us the Bible to everyone, and now we can all read and write. Yay. It's complicated. And he also founded the Anglican Church because That's he why. wanted to divorce his wife. Exactly. Yeah. The, this is a total sidetrack, but it's just a really interesting fact. <laughs> yeah. Like the majority of people were illiterate before Henry VIII because Henry VIII, like, so in order to practice the Bible, you had to have someone interpret it for you. So someone had to read it to you. And so when he created the English church because he wanted to divorce his wife, he was like, fuck that. Give everyone a print. And so then they started giving people, like everyone, the ability to read, to interpret the Bible themselves, um, which gave, you know, writing to the masses and reading to the masses, which was fucking giant. Yeah. Sorry for cussing. I'm trying not to cuss. Anyways, back to our podcast. (laughs) Uh, Should we take a break um, and then come back? Yeah, Yeah, let's do that. Good time to take a break when I railroad everyone with English history. (laughs) Yay. Um, We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll conclude our review and summary of Looking for Richard. And we're back with our review of Looking for Dick, the porn version. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> how how crazy would that be wait, if we just mean, started we, you mean just this, straight wait, up doing You mean this porn? is not a porn podcast? Uh, <laughs> we started doing a what? podcast where we just review a bunch of porn. <laughs> All right, better yet, Spin, put your pants back on. <laughs> we we take a break yeah, from reviewing spin. one movie and then come back with reviewing a completely different movie. <laughs> Or we we do like review a movie, but we have do a segment where we have a review of the porn parody. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Would anyone ever finish the porn parody? I mean, uh, I, I'll give I'll give the five minute summary of the. Opening 
anyways, <laughs> back to the manic movie by Al Pacino, looking for Richard. Um, Colin, tell us, tell us more. Um, I, I do want to say that I, uh, I, I am pleased to know that you used this when you were a teacher because when it when the movie starts, it's like that old kind of slow mo that's like the screen yes. is all jolty oh, yeah. that we're is reserved so only for movies that you see <laughs> in, in school. Exactly. And so when that started, I was like, Colin picked a good movie for class. <laughs> And it wasn't even me who used it primarily. It was like this woman who I worked with had been using this for years. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to pick back on that. And like, yeah. I'm going to start using this movie. It's a damn good movie for school. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, good because it helps to make like Shakespeare more accessible to students, which really gets to my main soapbox and why I love this movie, which is because the way that we teach Shakespeare is ridiculous and dumb. Like, it doesn't make any sense because most of us learn Shakespeare in school by like, okay, everybody's going to read like a paragraph and we're just going to go around the class. And it's the way your ex- exposure to Shakespeare was, was like Jimmy in the fourth row going, and, but, yeah, what light through yonder window breaks? And it's not meant to be that. I mean, in, up until like after Elizabethan times, you never would even say, well, I'm going to go see a play. You'd say, I'm going to go hear a play. Mm. And with language like this, you're supposed to hear it from actors who have been living with this, that have been like, this has been like, this text has been like all they've been doing for months. And like to hear it actually interpreted by people is like how you understand it and how like you get to love it. And so having us teach Shakespeare by everyone just sitting around reading it is really dumb because it, these are plays. They're meant to be seen. They're meant to be heard. They're meant to be performed. Right. So like the way you should teach Shakespeare to kids is to have them see actual performances, not just like everybody's going to read Hamlet today in class. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, my favorite moment in this movie is when you, go from their like table reads which are like i mean they're still animated and everything but then you like see the performance and like it goes from this like you know your memory of reading shakespeare like romeo and juliet in class and just like stumbling over these like a paragraph like spending an hour on a freaking paragraph because it's like what does he even mean like what is he even yelling about you know he's not even talking to anyone he's just monologuing like what the fuck is he talking about and and then you see someone actually do one and like do a monologue and perform it with you know professionalism and passion and everything and all the words make sense it's crazy yeah. it all it's like oh that's what he's talking about yeah because that's be- what he's talking about because on the page it, it's really nonsensical right it doesn't make any sense it, until you've like really picked it apart and said like oh here's what i'm saying here here's what i'm saying here and then like actually add like the proper inflection to things right like the um the uh Oh God! Was the the Stark son or the son the there's, oh, the there's a line, line? Yeah, yeah there's an opening line where it's like it's a it's a double entendre that's like oh yeah red ironically. The sun, yeah, now the is sun. the winter of our discontent made glorious summer by the son of York yeah. son of York yeah. yeah where it's like well he's also talking about himself because he's a son of York but then there's also the son over York and because he's clever he's Richard the <laughs> Third. But, like, one of my favorite examples in this movie is the guy who says, like, in a contemporary play, you would say, hey, go over there and get that thing for me. Like, bring, go get that and bring it back. But Shakespeare says, like, be Mercury, set feathers to thy heels and fly like thought from them to me again. <laughs> That's a fun way to say things. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. My favorite was the Shakespearean version of You Should Smile More, 
which is <laughs> teach not thy lips such scorn <laughs> when he's talking to Lady Anne and he's uh, like she's like pissed off at him like because he's like coming to her like at like while she's burying her husband oh yeah who like, he killed <laughs> yeah by the way <laughs> And um, if, if you like that, like if you're starting to get into like Shakespearean insults, I can't wait until we do Much Ado About Nothing because the Shakespearean insults flying back and forth between Benedict and Beatrice. Which one are we doing? Wait, Joss Whedon one? Or, I or... think we're going to do a versus. Oh, both. We will do Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing versus Joss Whedon's Ooh. Much Ado About Nothing. I haven't seen Kenneth Branagh's, but I really like Joss Whedon's. Mostly uh, because I, I, I love, love Alexis Denisoff and um, Amy Acker. Yes. 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 But I, I, I love them both in like very different ways. Because um, Branna's one is got like Kenneth Branagh, who obviously is like the Shakespeare dude, but it also has Emma Thompson, who uh, I worship. Yeah. She's uh, like, awesome. And, and Denzel, like too. I said before, <laughs> Denzel Washington is fantastic in yeah, that film. The world's most symmetrical man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh my That'll God, be... his son, though. Really? Yeah, he's is he even more symmetrical. I mean, my God! I have to check him out. He's uh, the star of Black Klansman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, that's Denzel Washington's son. Good, good little Denzel. I like it. Yeah. Well, well, that'll be in the future. We don't, we don't want to bombard you guys with too much Shakespeare all at once. <laughs> ah, Shakespeare, all at once. Um, I, I do like uh, how inventive this movie was. Like where he's, you know, shooting the making of as well as the movie. And the how candid it all is. You know? Yeah, you can tell that there's a lot of scripted stuff going on because of just the camera work. You know, you don't see the cameraman <laughs> in some of the scenes and uh, that they're being, you know, quote unquote, you know, improv-y or whatever. But it works really well uh, for what they're doing. You know, yeah. and uh, Al Pacino is a very charismatic man. You can you can just tell by like how people interact around him you know and, like, and the fact of like the people who are willing to do this movie for like what they did like when um alec baldwin says you're we're getting 40 bucks a day and all the donuts you can eat on this picture that's true <laughs> like all these guys who were like huge name actors at the time like baldwin and spacey and all these they worked for scale wow so they took like a massive pay cut to do this project huh. which took four years to shoot because Pacino is still filming other stuff. Oh. Like you can see how his facial hair and yeah, like yeah, all his yeah. stuff is like changing throughout uh -huh. the movie. Yeah. That's because he was filming other things at the same time. So yeah, the, whole... the like Serpico beard. Yes. Yeah, so this like... whole thing, I think it was actually Carlito's way. Oh really? Um, <laughs> but this whole thing was filmed around his filming schedule on other projects. And that's why it took four years to film. And he amassed 80 hours of footage that had to be cut down into like this movie. <laughs> Do you think he forgot to shoot that, like, he already shot some of it? Ah, oh, we gotta do this movie! It's like, we've already <laughs> done half of it. It's what? Like, the same thing you with, You tell like, me we've already done this? <laughs> when you see a bunch of the other, like, filmmakers, the other people working on it seeming, like, annoyed or confused, it's because they were. It's because they didn't know what the direction Pacino was going with this thing. And so a lot of times they were just starting to get upset with him and being like, Al, what are we doing? We've been shooting this for four years. Oh you know, then, all right, with that knowledge, I got to say, fuck that ending then. Because <laughs> that ending is bullshit. <laughs> with like just the little battle scene that they oh, did. Oh, that's because they were out of money. Yeah, okay. That that's makes because sense they now. were entirely out of money. And as a matter of fact, like the director that Pacino was working with on whatever movie he was filming at the same time 
did him a favor and just lent him like a crew <laughs> and stuff to film that final battle scene because it was like he literally had zero budget left. So it's like, here, just take this crew. You can have them for a few hours. Go shoot your battle. <laughs> I hope they got paid. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the crew got paid. It was probably just creative accounting on the budget of this other film. <laughs> uh, movie making in Hollywood. Totally legitimate. Um, cool. Well, that's fun. And, and then that's a little bit more fun knowing that. The little nugget of knowledge. Um, how are we doing on notes, guys? Oh, I love the dichotomy of the two different homeless guys who they talk to at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. There's the one guy who's like, Shakespeare, I'll tell you about Shakespeare. They're the rockers the government is trying to take over your brains and, and stuff. And then there's the other guy who's like, if we had Shakespeare, if we felt what we said, then we'd be better to each other. Like, <laughs> we'd be a better society. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I enjoyed... I, I enjoyed all of the little street conversations that they had. Like it, it, it really actually showed like how um, you know, I was surprised, like how easy Al Pacino was easy to talk to with like some of the kids. Like he's just like, "Oh, do you do you watch Shakespeare?" Like that one girl's like, "Yeah, we saw it. It sucked." It's like, what? It's yeah. like, "Yeah, we saw it. It's right right there. It sucked." <laughs> it's like and then there was okay. like one guy who like speaks Italian, like who's coming up to Pacino on the street because he's like, "Oh, the, from the Godfather, from like all these yeah, yeah. like movies with Italian Americans." He's like, "He's like, oh, do you speak English?" Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, do you know Shakespeare? And starts. <laughs> Um, I also love like he's like talking to these ladies when they're like at the Globe Theater site and they're rebuilding and like oh this is the son of one of the builders and then the next shot is that kid is in the movie oh right like the young prince yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was fun it's a fun movie Um, one of the things I I just love um, the scenes where they're kind of working through the text by taking like the same gist of what they're saying in this like Shakespeare scene and using modern language to say it, which is like a good practice for when you're working on a Shakespeare play. It's like, okay, here's what this scene is about. Let's like improvise with modern language, like what is happening in this scene. And then you go back to the, the text right. with like what you've done there. So I, I like seeing them do that as a thing. I could have used that in middle school. It <laughs> yeah. It made Shakespeare festival way easier <laughs> instead of the jilted mess that it was. Um, what Shakespeare play did you do, Colin? What Shakespeare play did I do yeah, when... Just just give, give me one. Give me a Shakespeare play that you've done. Um, in high school. We, did, we didn't do any in high school. We didn't do any in high school. No. Um, Were you part of a Shakespeare play uh, festival in high school? Or was that just a middle school thing? I think that might have been your middle school. I, oh. uh, <laughs> I've worked on productions in college and at the Denver Center. I've worked on Taming of the Shrew at the Denver Center. Um, I've done kiss me kate a bunch of times which is based on taming of the shrew which is a play we should retire by the way let's let's stop taming of the shrew doing that play forever yeah it's um, pretty terrible it's horrible <laughs> um well let's acknowledge that it exists and like this was a thing about gender politics back in elizabethan times and let's not talk about it anymore <laughs> um but i've also worked on like a midsummer um i don't think i've ever been in anything even in college really we should change that coming next summer IWITWT's production of some Shakespeare play (laughs) two gentlemen of Verona let's just let's just pick one 
Or or midsummer. Midsummer could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite, Craig? Are you familiar with the Shakespeare's? Not particularly. Not particularly. I mean, I've seen like the a couple of the adaptations. I've seen the Much Ado. I've seen the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. I love that movie. Uh, it's great. I really do. That was like one of the mo- like first movies I saw like coming of age, I guess, you know, where it's just, oh, so many emotions. Why do I feel so many emotions? Much of a is probably my favorite play, mm-hmm. but there are some really, really great scenes in Henry V as well. So mm. that's that And then we there. read like Romeo and Juliet when I was like in high school. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Who was, didn't? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a, one of the easiest ones. <laughs> Did, uh, Colin, are there any good movie adaptations of Henry V? There's a recommend? great Kenneth Branagh Henry V. Well, there you go. Which um, there, there is a scene where Emma Thompson is playing like the, the French queen and she's talking to her handmaiden and the entire scene is in French. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's just balls as a filmmaker to be like, yeah, no, this is in France. It will be in French. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. All right, um, are we we wrapping up here? Uh, yeah, it's got a seven point four on IMDb and eighty one percent Rotten Tomatoes and a seventy nine percent audience tomatoes. I like it. That sounds yeah. about good. Um, cool. Well, uh, we're gonna take another break, and when we come back, we're gonna hit you with. What we're gonna do next week, which I believe is a Craig special, um, and we will also talk about recommendations and where to find us. In the... Yeah, be right back. And we're back. Thanks, thanks for joining us for our lovely review of uh, Looking for Richard. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks you, Colin. For, for watching this this manic movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. A little bit. I mean, we've seen more insane movies on the other weekly thing we do that we don't record. <laughs> this <is true>. uh, <laughs> well, that sounded nefarious. <laughs> yeah, the weekly thing that we do. That we don't record. <laughs> um, anyways. Um, on to uh, r- recommendations. What what kind of uh, recommendations do the the rickety rickety rick rickety brow? Well, rah. since we're talking about old things being brought into new contexts, old things in vogue. I will recommend Lore Olympus. Uh, it's a web comic, and it is by Rachel Smythe. I want to say maybe Sinjin Smythe. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Smith. Rachel yes. Smingen Smythe. Maybe it's Smith. Maybe it's Smythe. S M Y T H E. And it is the story of uh, Persephone from Greek mythology. But oh. it is in a modern context. Um, and it's uh, on an app called Webtoons. And it's the only thing I read on there. <laughs> I downloaded the whole app for it. Um, and it, it's like, it's gorgeous. Like, it's like take a look at this like visual thing on our audio podcast. <laughs> Holy like, crap! But it's like, it's gorgeous. Look at oh wow! Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's it's the story of Persephone and Hades. If anyone's familiar with Greek mythology, um, you know the whole reason we have seasons according to the uh, that creation story within uh, Greek mythology. 
uh, Persephone gets taken into the underworld and she, you know, comes back and she has to go back for a certain period of time because she eats a certain number of pomegranate seeds. And that's why we have winter because it's when Persephone, who's like the daughter of Artemis, goes back into the underworld every year. My uh, God, they made and, it complicated. Uh, well, yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> well, that's, yeah. that's like from the myth. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's like the original story is that's why we have winters because the daughter of Persephone, like every time she leaves, her mother gets like sad and everything dies and gets cold. and Because of pomegranates? Because, well, she ate pomegranates. She wasn't supposed to eat anything when she went to uh, the underworld, but she ate three pomegranate seeds. Uh, and so that's why we have three months of winter. Ah, uh, that and, Hades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, but it's uh, put into a modern context. So it's like, you know, parties and limousines and, you know, it's like all the gods are like, you know, this like, you know, super like elite class, oh. and, like, you know, they're gods. Right. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a really interesting story. Um, it's like, um, I'm like maybe like seven or eight um, episodes in. There's, I think, 30 so far. Um, so yeah, I recommend Laura Olympus. Cool. I've got a couple of uh, recommendations, one more general and one more specific. Um, the more general one will be like, check out the Colorado Shakespeare Festival. Um, if you live here, like it's every summer up in Boulder. Uh, it's really great actors and like directors and technicians. I mean, a lot of people I went to college with like work there. Um, there's a great actress named Jamie Ann Romero, who's a mainstay of the Colorado Shakes. And if you live somewhere else, I mean, just check out if there's a Shakespeare Festival in your city. Chances are there is one. There's one here in Denver every spring. Yeah. Skyland Park downtown. Um, so, yeah, go go see some Shakespeare live. Um, but uh, my more uh, specific recommendation is a old um, Canadian TV show called Slings and Arrows, huh. which is about um, a Canadian Shakespeare Festival and when the artistic director dies this like uh disgraced like act washed up actor has to take over for him and he like turns the whole festival around and like brings it back to its glory days and it's like really brilliantly acted and well written and it's this great great show there's like three seasons and each one is a different play so the first one is hamlet the second one is macbeth and i think the third one is king lear oh. um but this is, it can be very hard to find. Um, I watched it on Netflix several years ago. It's since been taken off of Netflix. But at least the first season or the first few episodes of the first season are on YouTube in their entirety, which is where I've lately been re-watching it. Awesome. So Slings and Arrows, a really great Canadian show. Bring it back, Netflix. And it's, it's actually, um, when you were talking about Keanu Reeves. Um, Whoa. Keanu Reeves doing Shakespeare because he's in Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing. The first season is kind of loosely based on an actual thing of Keanu Reeves going and doing Shakespeare at some place <laughs> because this guy comes into the Shakespeare Festival who's like, oh, he's a movie star from America. <laughs> and he's coming, like, that's how we're going to sell all these tickets to this show because we've cast this huge American movie star in our, movie star in our Shakespeare States. Festival. And so it is based on the actual time when Keanu Reeves went and did that. So, it's kind of a fun fact. Huh, cool. Yeah. Right on, right on. Well, um, my recommendation is a podcast. It's um, The Dollop, which is um, uh, just two hilarious comedians uh, uh, talking about a history, uh, the American history topic. Oh, and one of those comedians has no idea what the topic is. And so, it's just like his hilarious reaction to 
the terrible things that they're talking about <laughs> in American history. Um, it's absolutely great. I really, really recommend this podcast. I'm it's, sorry. I'm sorry. You said terrible things in American history? <laughs> never. Dennis, no. America has always been the best. There have never been any bad things in American no, I history. Got, <laughs> you should listen to this podcast. <laughs> there are terrible things all around. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really, really good. Um, there's some side reeling that they do that's just absolutely hilarious. They like make sketches out of like the characters that they're talking about like while they're talking about the story, which makes it a lot of fun if you're a fan of improv comedy. Um but yeah, I uh, can't recommend it enough. Um, the dollop. I, um, the live episodes tend to be my favorite. So they've been around for a very long time. They have over 300 episodes. So oh, wow. there's, a, there's a lot of repertoire to go through. And um, they're a little, they're, they're little, they are a lot left wing, left wing leaning, a lot like us. So if you can't put up with that, then I don't know why you're listening to us right now. Um, <laughs> how have you made it have this, you made it this far, far listening to us right. if you have kind of rightward leanings yeah. <laughs> you voted funny. for Trump what the hell are you doing um, alright well um, that kind of wraps up our recommendations I believe yeah um, and I'm going to ask Craig now um, if you if you bear with me I'm, gonna, I'm about to ask Craig what the next movie is Craig what is our next movie I am going to have us watch Ingrid Goes West. Yay. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, I want to say. I want to make sure here I'm getting that right, but I'm like 99% sure that it is Elizabeth Olsen. I love me some Aubrey Plaza, so I'm Do already Do we know what year? Was oh, like last year? Last year. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yes. Ingrid Goes West. Um, let me double check. And it is the movie we are doing next. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is Elizabeth Olsen. I knew it. Yay. I knew it. Um, so, yeah, uh, we will be doing that movie um, next week. You can listen to us talk about our thoughts and feelings and emotions on Ingrid Goes West. In the meantime, Dennis, where can they find us? Oh, Colin, they can find us on the internet at IWYTWT as well as Facebook. Um, well, I guess you can you can Twitter at each of us. I, I am at the Debucks. I am at Catharticus. I am at Colin Munch. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IWYTWT. All of our episodes are posted on SoundCloud. SoundCloud is who hosts us. Thank you, SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com forward slash IWYTWT. Yeah, you guessed it. Um, Thanks, SoundCloud. Thank you, SoundCloud. Uh, you can catch us at most, if not all, podcast listening apps like the Stitcher, like the iTunes, um, wherever you find us. And there's a rate and review button with like some empty stars. Fill out those stars. Write us a review. It's really quick. I mean, who are you kidding? It's 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 so it's so quick. Just it, it. it will take you like three minutes, and it will make a huge difference for yeah, us. Yeah, and then I can so. immortalize your stupid internet handle in one of these podcasts when I'm like jerkingly read your review on you know well on my laptop here <laughs> um so yeah that's what's happening join us next week ingrid goes west thanks for listening bye come on you to watch come on and watch with me i want you to watch i just watch this watch this movie with me
Watch the fucking movie.